Hello, Ondawaveland listeners. Michael Beller here. Just wanted to give you a quick note that we recorded today's episode before the news broke that another Cardinals player had tested positive for COVID-19, which has postponed Friday's game at least. We're still going to present the entire episode to you, but know that this is a fluid situation and we'll be staying on top of it all weekend. Enjoy. Hello everyone, what's up and welcome in to another episode of On to Waveland, our Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am your host, at least for today, Michael Beller, filling in for Brett Taylor, who's a little bit under the weather, so Brett, get well soon. Can't wait to talk to you, buddy. Uh, in the meantime, I'll be filling in, talking, of course, with our Cubs beat writers. So hi, Dave Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Guys, how's it going? Good. How it's you doing, going Michael? well. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm happy to uh, step in and talk with you guys uh, with a hot start to the season. If things were 3-10, and 10, maybe I would be happy to just, I'll stay behind the glass and do the producer thing. I don't want to <laughs> talk about this uh, team too much right now. But at 10-3, and 3, uh, a lot different, even though they took uh, quite the beating at the hand of the Royals uh, on Thursday night. Still got to be feeling very good about themselves. Headed into a weekend series with the Cardinals in St. Louis. We'll talk about that series specifically and how things uh, are, are going to be a little bit strange for the Cubs given everything that's happened with the Cardinals over the last week this coming weekend. But let's first focus on the Chicago Cubs. These 10 and 3 first place Chicago Cubs, one of the best records in Major League Baseball. And there's already talk about the schedule and the way things have started for them early. And you can't take anything away from what they did. All you can do in any sport is go out there and beat the team that is in front of you. And the Cubs have done that 10 out of 13 times. But you look at the schedule, and you do have to uh, look at the fact that three of those wins came against the Pirates, who are 3-10, and 10, so 3-7 and seven in games not played against the Cubs, 3-1 and one against the Royals, so also a team that is 3-7 and seven in games they haven't played against the Cubs, 6-1 and one against teams that are a combined 7-20 and 20 on the season. And even though you can only beat those teams that you are playing, it does make it a little bit harder to judge just how good they've been on this 10-3 and start, right? Yeah, I mean, I even said it when they embarked on this seven-game stretch here against two weak teams. I, I felt like it was a great opportunity to kind of build the confidence, right? They didn't have to worry about Luis Castillo shutting down the offense and, and maybe seeing uh, a, a night in Cincinnati where, where things don't go right and you end up, instead of leaving Cincinnati with a series win, it's a series split, how does that impact the the confidence? I, I think early on, yes, we can overanalyze the fact that they've beat up on bad competition. The way I look at it as this is they're going to be facing quite a bit of bad competition. If Milwaukee's not a, a great team, they're going to get the St. Louis team with a week off. Like all these little things, like how many teams, how many very good teams are they going to be facing? The White Sox look okay, uh, but their pitching is 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 pretty rough. Uh, the it's it's really I mean is it the Twins the Cardinals and the Cubs are the teams that we're looking at right now as good teams in the maybe in the, the Indians Centrals? yeah Cleveland as well sorry uh, of course I I always forget about them lately that <laughs> but that you can't overlook that pitching uh, of course so so there are, so there are good teams they haven't faced the the real powerhouses yet or the ones that you'd consider these are the likely playoff contenders in a normal in a normal baseball world. So it's it's really hard to evaluate. I guess I, I didn't really uh, appreciate how hard it was going to be to evaluate 
heading uh, heading into this season just because I mean when you head into the playoffs and you haven't faced the Dodgers you haven't you haven't seen uh, you know teams like the Braves it makes it a little harder to decide how good are the Cubs I, I I'm I, I I think what I come away with is at minimum this is a team that's trying to uh, refine itself i guess uh, you know kind of rekindle that i don't want to say they're just trying to cap recapture 2016 but kind of bring back that energy and and that confidence that they had that swagger that they had back then and this is a good way to do it at minimum they're building their confidence they're they're they know what they can do they're saying we can lean on pitching and defense and win games uh we don't have to batter the other team to to have to win a game uh, I, I'm, I, I get why people would say, Hey, don't, don't rush to conclusions. I'm not, I'm not saying that the Cubs are the best team in baseball just because they have a great record, but I do think this is a, you, you can't downplay what they're doing and you have to say, Hey, look, look at how they're winning with pitching and defense. That's a recipe for success. I don't care if you're shutting down bad teams. Uh, it, it, right now you're, you're winning in a way that that's, uh, I guess, pleasing to the eye in a sense. Yeah, I think the bottom line is that they're not the Marlins or the Cardinals. I think that's been a, a huge uh, factor here of getting off to a good start. Everyone talks about that every single year, but this year in particular, not only with the shortened schedule, but also just kind of the uh, mental side of this whole experiment and you know proving that uh, they have kind of a belief in how this could work. I also feel like... While there's certainly an element of the schedule uh, kind of falling in their favor, it's not like we looked at this team coming out of spring training like this is a no-doubt 95-win team. I thought there were a lot of question marks on the way Tyler Chatwood pitched or the way that Ian Happ has shown some of these adjustments work. Um, obviously, the bullpen uh, is a huge question mark. We'll probably be talking about that for as long as this season lasts. But I, I do think... Uh, Sahadev wrote about it the other day. It was really interesting uh, to hear Theo Epstein praising David Ross and the inevitable inferences to Joe Madden, even though uh, Theo wasn't really going there. Uh, you know, I think when he's kind of sitting in the Wrigley interview room doing a Zoom for 37 minutes, uh, at a certain point, I think he just kind of starts rolling. And, uh, you know, I personally am kind of over the whole joe madden david ross differences era i feel like that was really interesting to kind of write about in spring training but we live in a totally different uh world right now and i think i personally would be more interested in like kind of evaluating david ross for who he is uh but you know there is this kind of subtext and you know I think the, these conditions have maybe helped David Ross with some of those goals that he was trying to lay out, you know, you know way back at the beginning of spring training in terms of kind of focus and urgency and, and not taking things for granted. I also think players are kind of, you know, a year older. They're at this point in their lives where taking the the protocols or taking the game, um, you know, extremely seriously is I think that might be a little bit of a natural evolution. But, yeah, I think, you know, uh, David Ross – uh is in the conversation for for manager of the year which is you know kind of funny if you know if we get to a point where they're actually handing out awards uh at the end of the year but uh he's no doubt been uh just a huge part of the storyline here 
Well, let's dig farther into that. We are talking about a 10-3 and team. Again, one of the best records in the majors, tied with those Minnesota Twins. Um, and we all thought were going to be one of the best teams in the league. And I'm curious with what you guys have seen, how much David Ross plays into this. I mean, he, it's almost, it feels, it's still so hard to wrap our heads around where we are in the schedule, right? Just because we've played 13 games, we've seen the Cubs play 13 games and no other team has played uh, as many or more than 13 games. The Twins are also sitting at 10 and 3, right? So it feels like we're still very early, which we are, but we're also 25% of the way through the season. So it's this weird balance of it's always going to be early, but it's always going to be late in the season this year. Uh, what have you seen that David Ross has brought to this group that has helped them get off to this start? I, I mean, it's it's hard to deny that <clears throat> the team has a ton of energy and they're loud and chirping from the dugout. He kind of, uh, he'll downplay that and say that's, you know, you got to give Anthony Iaposi credit for that. Uh, the players have really stepped in and uh, stepped up and bought in. Um, I'm, I'm sure all of that is accurate <clears throat> and, and it, it, I mean, it certainly is, but I think part of it is he's the galvanizing force behind that, right? He's the driving force that, that kind of gets them to do that. And he set the tone, set the rhythm back in the spring. They were able to carry that through the shutdown and, and still bring that energy. I mean, for me, I, I think Patrick and I both got the sense that he's going to be able to handle these behind the scenes things, these in, intangible things he can call out a player and and uh you know and still have them know that okay this guy's got my back he's looking out for me uh he he's got this ability i mean like uh, like patrick said theo kind of wax poetic about about rossi for a while the other day and and i i i kind of agree with theo in the sense that all these little things that uh, that they may have had questions about uh, in the past, in the recent past, he's he's been able to address them in in different ways, in his own way, and he and he does it in a way that isn't awkward or uncomfortable for people. He's got that ability. I I, I, I you got to give him credit for that. I I think it's been interesting to watch how he handles lineup decisions, bullpen decisions. Those are the things that were the biggest questions, and and he. You know, it's not perfect to kind of analyze it, it, it during through 13 games because it's a weirdly set up bullpen. It, bullpens in general are really hard to to handle. But I've appreciated how he's answered some of our questions. Uh, Patrick, I'm not sure if you were lurking in the post game zoom <laughs> from from Thursday night. But he or or it was was it the pregame zoom? No, it was the, it, whatever it was. It, it, he was asked. Uh, he, he was asked uh, why why don't you uh, why don't you just make Jeremy Jeffress the closer? Just like straight up ask that, <laughs> and he like long pause. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I'll consider it. <laughs> like just totally like that. That's definitely not how Madden would have answered it, right? Madden would have given a a three minute answer of how he handles a bullpen and why this guy may not have this role, that and the other. Rossi's just like, really? That's you're gonna ask me why I'm not putting a guy in as closer? <laughs> it, I I loved it. I love that he's got a little bit of a red ass to him. He's a little. He's got a little more edge than. Than, than you may expect and, and he and he knows it too because he's already apologized to us once he's like thanks for putting up with me guys I know I can be a little difficult in, in these in these zoom calls or whatever so I I like it I I asked him specifically how his thought process works with bullpens and I and I 
I, I can kind of tell that he's he's not just gonna just because he sits with Tommy Hadovy and Mike Borzello before a game and goes and pours over everything. There are things that happen during a game that will kind of trigger his gut and gut instincts, and and he'll and he'll try and and work through a game as a catcher in game and and, and adjust on the fly. Uh, right now, I think he's he's having a clearly positive impact. It's really hard for me to really break him down as a as an in game strategist, but for me so far, it's like this guy seems to be transitioning brilliantly and uh, you know you take it for what it is at the moment uh, we'll see how how good he actually is handling big moments and and this Craig Kimbrell stuff he's he's done well so far I I, I I'm seeing it as yeah this is so far so good this is a successful hire like I said 13 games I don't want to go overboard but it's it's been interesting and definitely positive yeah I mean Ross's demeanor might not be enough this still might not work but kind of under the circumstances in which this hire was made kind of knowing the Cubs had this very kind of short runway remaining the fact that baseball operations had pretty much maxed out uh, its payroll the state of where the farm system was uh, at that point and continues to be kind of you know among the lower tier of organizations I mean Ross made a lot of sense that doesn't mean he's going to be the next great manager but you can certainly see the thinking uh behind it uh his experience within the organization I think uh matters at a time like right now uh with the Cubs in crisis mode the fact that he has a really strong relationship with uh Jed and Theo all the way down to you know the clubhouse guys um, that he's known for, for years. I think all of that stuff uh, matters right here. And yeah, just to circle back side of it, I think it's been really. It would be more entertaining if we were in the room with him, either yeah. the manager's office on the road or the Wrigley interview room. But when he gets questions about like you know Nico versus Kibnis and that nice lineup, what went into that? He just goes to the players. Like in what regards skill sets, <laughs> like and it's just just mixing in a short answer every once in a while is uh, entertaining, and that's not a reflection on the reporters. We're all asking legitimate questions. We're not making fun of that. I think it's just uh, in moments like that you can kind of see the difference between uh, Madden and Ross. And like I said, maybe those differences don't really matter in the long run. Maybe this team is about an 84 win team like they were last year, you know, kind of give or take, you know, however the ball bounces, but um, stylistically uh, there are a lot of similarities and there are also these kind of sharper edges that are, you know, entertaining right now. Michael, I just wanted to point out, Patrick just said the way the ball bounces and I can't help but think so many of these games that I've watched, like one little thing happens differently and all we're doing is dealing with Twitter meltdowns uh, of Cubs fans. There are so like the, the game, the last home game, that great stop by Bryant. Uh, Otherwise that's a, that's a, that's a tie game, right? Mm -hmm. In the ninth and everybody's freaking out about Kimbrell and Kyle Ryan. There's about three other incidents. The, the hard hit ball that I think the only, uh, the only other inning other than Thursday night's blowout uh, that Kimbrell finished in Cincinnati. It was a line drive, yeah. you know, five Votto, feet. Vado to, Votto to center, right? Exactly. The, the game ender off Jeffress. 
Uh, oh, it was against Jeffress. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's just two examples. There's so many. We, we talk about this, and it goes the other way, too. I'm sure it happened last year a dozen ways. One little thing bounces the other way, and the Cubs are a 91-win team instead of an 84-win team, right? So I just find it fascinating. That's how baseball is. But right now, the ball is bouncing the Cubs' way. They're beating up on bad teams. I, again, don't want to take away from the, what they're accomplishing. But those that makes me think, like, is that what they mean by – intangibles is this really like an intangible thing going their way because they're all the, they're coming together they're able to eke these things out and get the bounces or is it just that's baseball and baseball is weird sometimes and you do need part like part of winning in baseball is getting the bounce a part of getting on a hot streak in baseball is the ball needs to bounce your way every once in a while you may you you may not be perfect but you're going to get a bounce here and there it, it's just a, a an interesting thing to me that I've definitely noticed the last few games, like, Oh man, that was so close to being a meltdown. That was so close to being just one of those ugly losses where everybody freaks out about how bad the team is or whatever it is. And, and we can sweep it under the rug right now because they're, they're, things are going their way. Yeah. The vagaries of the game have definitely been on their side over the first two plus weeks of the season on paper. The schedule stiffens up over the next uh, 15 games They're at St. Louis this weekend. That's a three game set. Then they go to Cleveland for two, come home for the Brewers for four, the Cardinals for three more, and then the White Sox for three more. Other than what we're going to get to in a second with this weekend series in St. Louis, is there anything about those 15 games that immediately jumps out at you when you look at them? I mean, just the fact that it's all pretty much legit teams, you know, you know, I, I think I've said it plenty of times on this podcast. I, I always question the Brewers, but who knows what they actually are. Uh, the White Sox pitching is, is suspect. Cleveland, if you know, I, I, I'd like to see how they handle Cleveland pitching. Uh, basically, in general, I want to see how they handle really good pitching because they faced one guy that I look at and say that guy's a stud. And was it that they face uh, Sonny Gray? Uh other than that, there's Woodruff on opening day. What's that? Woodruff on opening day. Yes. And they did well. They, they kind of worked him. I, that's probably my one question. I'd like to see that offense get back to being what it was the first week. It, it, they've kind of uh, drifted the past couple of days, but that happens. It, baseball's weird like that. Like we were just talking about. So I'm not, I'm not sounding any alarms. I just want to see how they work uh, really good pitchers and, and see if they can, you know, uh, we talked about this seven-game stretch. They went six and one. Fifteen-game stretch against pretty much all solid, good to above-average teams. I mean, you win over half of those, you go eight and seven. You're, you're feeling you should feel good about yourselves. Uh, let's see if they can do even better. But yeah, that that Cleveland series especially, since they have so much good pitching. Uh, St. Louis, then Cleveland. Is that right? Yeah, that's going right. to be. A, it should be a lot of good pitching. Uh, of course, we just you know. The, the weirdness of the St. Louis series may just throw that all off. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the Cardinals respond or how they kind of stick together. I think this is a really, you know, if we're going to talk in pure baseball terms, if the season is going to go off, like the Cubs can really, you know, damage the Cardinals, uh, you know, hopes for this season if they're not already kind of out the window. Um, I was laughing. Our friend, Bob Nightingale always does these tweets. Like, I think he put a magic number tweet out for the Cubs the other night. And, <laughs> you know, I laughed. Then I'm also like, you know, we're not that far off from kind of like teams being kind of out of it. The Cubs, you know, really uh, building a substantial, uh, 
lead here and i think it'll be interesting to see if they if they are able to you know pull away and really create uh some distance and also uh yeah just see the white Sox. the idea of a, a real crosstown game uh without fans i think the white Sox were looked like they're pretty close to getting buried uh right out of the shoot and you know props to them for uh kind of stabilizing and, and rebounding so um yeah i mean every i think every game here is going to be uh super revealing yeah, to your point, Sahad, uh, starting with the last game against the Cardinals this weekend, the Cubs are going to face Jack Flaherty, Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco, and Brandon Woodruff, uh, those four pitchers, Ooh. in a five-game stretch. So, well, we're going to get to see them face some good pitching in this next uh, week here. Let's talk about this series that they've got coming up in St. Louis this weekend. Of course, the Cardinals, the second team to experience a uh, COVID outbreak on the team. They have not played since July 29th because of that. So we're talking uh, a little bit more than a week that the Cardinals have yet to play now that they get back on the field against the Cubs on a Friday. Uh, so this is going to be a team that uh, ha- has not seen the field. For quite a while, about half uh, what we know, half the outbreak uh, was players, about another half uh, was team staff, people of that nature. Uh, What do we think this weekend is going to be like, both for the Cubs, who have been fortunate to have 10 of their 13 games at home? We've heard them talk so much about how uh, the Wrigley pseudo-bubble that they've had has just made them feel very comfortable going back to the beginning of summer camp. Uh, What's it going to be like for them, and what do we think it's going to be like for the Cardinals getting back on the field? If you look at the Marlins, for an example, these guys haven't lost since they've returned to the field. Well, um, I'll let Patrick kind of uh, dig into why – you know, the Cubs may feel a little more comfortable on the road than others, or at least they have been so far. Just it's three games. But I think that they've they've kind of created this uh, a good setup for themselves, both at home and on the road, where they're starting to feel comfortable about the way they do things. And it's just, a you know, it's there's always that concern of how other teams are doing things. And, and they kind of not, they didn't go out of their way to say like, oh, I'm terrified to take the field with the Cardinals. But there was some hesitance like, yeah, it's in the back of your mind. We know what was happening. And it's just, a, you know, it, are they clear to go? Is it truly fine to play them? They, that that stuff kind of lingers in the back. But the fact that they're clear to play and that they will play, I think, makes them confident enough to go out there and say, OK, we're just going to go out there and play the game. I, I think in general, we, we don't we're, we're seeing the Marlins are still winning games and, uh, you know, nobody expected them to win in general. And they, they have this week off and they come out and they're still winning. I don't know what it says. I don't know. It's just a very difficult thing to to know how it's going to work because we've never seen this. Right. Teams don't take a week off. One team doesn't take a week off, and then another team has just been playing the whole time, and then you go play a game uh, a week later. It's just it's just an odd situation. I, I think uh, Rossi kind of addressed it in the sense that we just have to deal – like, you know, we, we have to focus on ourselves. You know, he's like, yeah, that's, that's a difficult situation for them. Uh, certainly wouldn't want to go through that. Certainly wouldn't want to try and have to deal with a week off and get my guys going again. But all he he wasn't really looking to break that down in a sense. He was like, I got to focus on my guys, make sure they're ready to go play, and, and they're prepared. Not not worry about the fact that maybe this team isn't isn't quite what they should be uh, had they been playing uh, the past week. Uh, and I think that's a fair way to for the Cubs to go look at it. I think I think the fact that the Cardinals are missing, like, I think it, 
for me, what stands out is the bigger deal is that Molina won't be there, right? Mm-hmm. Molina is is just such a critical piece to their pitching staff, uh, to the team in general. I, I haven't watched a lot of their games, so I'm not sure how they were doing energy-wise, but I'm sure he's a big part of all that. All those little intangibles that we were just talking about with Rossi, uh, I think I think Molina's a big factor there. So him not being around... Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing, not the uh, the fact that they haven't been playing for a week, obviously is a huge factor. I think you have your leaders there when you haven't been playing for a week. If Molina was there, maybe it takes a little bit of the that away. And it's like, okay, we can gr- get together. We got our guy here that's going to motivate the group and get us ready to play. Maybe I'm overvaluing that. Uh, maybe maybe baseball's just so random that they can go out there and sweep sweep the Cubs because they're just talented enough. But we'll, we'll see. But I, I think it's just going to be difficult for the Cardinals to find their footing right away. Uh, but you know, baseball's just wacky in some ways. So who knows? In terms of leaving that uh, Wrigley bubble, uh, Mark Kurig and I wrote a story for the Athletic that published on uh, Friday morning. And just looking at how teams like the Cubs and the Yankees are kind of turning uh, their team hotels into an extension of the clubhouse, in essence, as a way to encourage guys to follow the protocols, as a way to keep them somewhat sane under these insane conditions. And for the Cubs, that meant uh, looking, they essentially went hotel shopping with the travel industry just decimated. They, uh, you really prioritized finding hotels that could uh, that had these you know big patio areas uh, that they could book for the entire length of their stays, and that's where they could take uh, meals, which the Cubs are providing, you know, three boxed meals a day, um, just to create this space where they could go up, hang out, eat their food, make calls, read. Uh, I think there's some entertainment uh, there as well so that guys are spending you know obviously just kind of sleeping in their hotel room but not just kind of being you know cooped up in there uh for whatever 20 hours of the day um because essentially what it's become and the cubs were kind of ahead of this before mlb revised its protocols it was just kind of hotel ballpark hotel ballpark like that's kind of been uh the rhythm uh, for, for visiting teams and kind of our point was like, there aren't many competitive advantages left in the game. And in a year like this, where you have an expanded playoff field, where you have a a 60 game season, uh, you know, that might not necessarily reward the most talented teams on paper. And, you know, if you're looking for an edge, uh, it's going to be keeping your players healthy, keeping them on the field, keeping them, engaged with this you know trial run here and you know there are it's kind of like you know the country at large there are haves and haves nots there are um you know kind of ways to uh anticipate um to be fair there are some logistical issues here that we had found out of just like there aren't um you know hotel staffs aren't necessarily uh staffed up the way norm they normally would be uh sometimes it can be hard to you know find places that have these you know outdoor areas but i do think um you know the fact that the cubs have not had a player test positive during the entry screening or during the monitoring phase um there is an amount of luck to that it won't necessarily continue 
for as long as this season goes, but you'll never totally eliminate the risk. But I think there are ways to minimize it and uh, manage it. And that's kind of what the the Yankees did as well of um, creating extra space for where uh, hitters and pitchers can do meetings or, you know, Garrett Cole, while they were kind of stranded in Philly, um, is, you know, playing catch in this, you know, ballroom at a posh Philadelphia uh, hotel trying to stay sharp. So, again, we don't know. There's It's really hard to prove, like, direct uh, correlation here, but I think the Cubs have, in a lot of ways, tried to think through this and put themselves in the best position to succeed this year. Yeah, I actually got that uh, story uh, that uh, Mooney and Mark Carrig wrote in my inbox uh, this uh, this morning. So uh, definitely going to check that out. If you want to get it in your inbox, if you want to check it out, you can get a, a free week to The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash onto Waveland. So be sure to check that out. Again, a big weekend series for the Cubs ahead in St. Louis. John Lester versus Daniel Ponce de Leon on Monday. Alec Mills and Adam Wainwright on Saturday. And then Kyle Hendricks, Jack Flaherty, uh, two big pitchers taking the mound in the series finale on Sunday. This will be a fun series for us to look at. We will have that game in, or that series, excuse me, in the books and also game one of the Indian series in the books by the time we get back together next week on On to Waveland. And again, that game one against the Indians, Mike Clevenger taking the mound. So we will have some results with the Cubs facing some high-end pitching that we can talk about on the next episode. But that's going to do it for this one. Thanks again for listening to us here on On to Waveland. If you're out there, iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Obviously, obviously, we love the subscriptions, but the ratings and reviews mean a lot to us too. So if you could do that, we would appreciate it. Uh, for Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, I am Michael Beller. On to Waveland. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, enjoy the games this weekend and have a great weekend. Talk to you later. <laughs>